0: Alright, so this sermon, is, if you're watching, oh, just a whole different thing. Uh, some people have been saying that, that our sermons aren't showing up on our website. We're still working on that, but you can go to Spotify and make a little account and type in Mossark of somebody of God, and all those sermons that you haven't been able to see, they are on Spotify. We're just trying to get the link from our website to that, so we're having a couple of glitches, so we've been trying to work with that company. So, um, anyways, now that I'm recording now, Hebrews chapter 13. So we're talking about love, and a love that's different than the world's love. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. It's pretty personal kind of love, isn't it? Now, it's, it's interesting, the, the, the preacher didn't say start loving, brothers and sisters. He said, keep on loving. Don't forget. And remember. So, obviously, these, these are uh, attributes. This, 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 the, they're being loving. But the, the preacher said, okay, you know, in this time we're in right now, step it up a little bit. Do a little bit more than you were before. So keep on doing it. Don't forget. So we're to love one another. This this, this this loving one another, it's a brotherly love. So there is a love that's supposed to be shown between believers. Because that's what it says. It says, love each other as brothers and sisters. Then there's this loving strangers. This hospitality. I'll be honest, that, that, one's, that one's difficult for me. It just is. And it says to love those who are in need. In many ways, maybe in prison. So here's the, the three points of love that... that uh, We're taught about here. You know, Jesus taught his disciples and those who followed him a way to love, which is radically different than the world's love. And again, if we're going to be this light that shines out differently than the world, there must be some sort of a radical love that Jesus has taught us and emulated to us that is different than how the world loves. Going back to Matthew again, chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus said, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I can say this right now. Do you think that's what the world does right now? Love those who agree with you and stand against those who don't. I think that applies, okay? But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as what? True children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much, or the IRS. That's relevant for today. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So even 2,000 years ago, Jesus was saying, there is a love that is in you as a son and daughter of God that should be different than the love you see in your neighborhood, A different than a love that you see in the community or wherever else. We're supposed to love those who don't even like us or don't even agree with us. And the writer in Hebrews says, and these people are in the church. Yeah. We'll get to that in just a moment. So we're looking at a specific type of love today. And again, let me say, I I think we I think we love pretty good in the church, but we're supposed to look differently in how we do it. So I think we need to look more so at the way in which we love others rather than how we love others. You know, why why are why are we going to be this way? And before I get to my points, there's one thing that stood out that I want to just not necessarily correct, but uh, talk about. In, in verse 2, the second part says, you, who knows, you may be even entertaining angels. Yeah. Um, you don't need to amen me on this one. Uh, I, I, I've heard stories of people said, yeah, I was walking down the road and, and there was this hitchhiker. and So I picked him up and then we went down the road a couple miles and, and, and all this good stuff. And all of a sudden I turn my head and he's gone. It's been an angel. I've heard a number of these stories. Again, we need to understand uh, some context to what's being uh, shared here. Um, The preacher is talking to Jews. These are people who understand the Old Testament very well. Do you know that there's only four accounts in the Old Testament where there was an angel who was served by somebody, and then they actually revealed who they were, and then they disappeared? Four times in the Old Testament Genesis 18, Genesis 19, Judges 6, and Judges 13. So the first times you have Abraham, and uh, this is right before Sodom and Gomorrah, and an angel came to him and warned them about what was going to happen. Then an angel came to Lot in Sodom and warned them to get out, both times revealing that they were angels. First, they did not know they were the presence of angels, and then that they were. Uh, and then you have Gideon in Judges chapter 6, right? An angel of the Lord. And then the last one is is Manoah. I always want to say Moana, but I know it's not Moana. Manoah, who is the father of of Samson, an angel came to him and showed him that he was going to have a son and revealed of who he was. All of that to say in these instances, these are people who entertained angels who then were revealed by the angels that they were angels and not people. So any Hebrew that's hearing this sermon would know the very unique circumstances in which angels showed up to people. I don't read this as saying you better watch out because you might be entertaining an angel, so you better be nice to everybody. That's not what's being said here. Okay, it's just showing. Hey, look, we know this happened in the past, but it's not to say you better watch out. You better not cry. I'm telling you why. You might be entertaining an angel tonight. It's not saying that. It's just. It's just. Something extra to the verse, okay? If you wanted to debate me on that, we can talk more about it later when I'm more clear. (laughs) It's just saying we're supposed to be nice and hospitable to each other, but also to strangers. People we don't even know. Okay? So how should we live out this kind of love in our daily lives? So number one is this, we get this in the first verse, is loving one another. Again, this is a type of love that's not talking about loving strangers. We get to that. This is loving your brothers and sisters in Christ as if they are your own literal, physical brothers and sisters. Treating your fellow Christian like family. It's that simple. You see, whether we will admit it or not, we tend to treat our family Different than we treat our acquaintances. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm not wrong, I'm right. <laughs> no, no, seriously, we, we do. I mean, it's just a little bit differently. There's, there's, there's some things that I will drop anything for for my family that maybe I might make an excuse in another situation. Hopefully, that's not the case, but remember, we're supposed to keep on loving one another. You see, the concept of brotherly love is to take a step further. For your brother and sister in Christ, why? Because you know Jesus now. And they're supposed to be just like your brother or your sister, or your mom or your dad. Am I going to strike anything here? Because there, there's some things that, that I've gone further for family, and maybe I've made an excuse for something else, for somebody else. So why is this important? It's important because, you know, you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. And again, if we want the world to look at the church and say, the first thing they say is, the church is loving. Because I know so-and-so isn't their brother or their sister, but man, they treat them like family. Of all the things, isn't that exactly how we want the world to see us? That when you, when you come into a church, you're going to be treated like you're my family. This is huge. In John chapter 13, again, Jesus sort of uh, nails us, drives us home. He says, uh, verse 34, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. I mean, think about this. How did Jesus love us? He gave us everything. He hold he held nothing back. You didn't say, well, that's more like an acquaintance than a family member. So and you can nail one hand, but I'm gonna keep this one to myself because I have to use it tomorrow. You know, Jesus gave us everything, just as we would do for family. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So let me ask you, how are you loving your Christian brother and sister? As an acquaintance that you see once a week, or as your family? I mean, Jesus took this first step of love for me. He took the first step towards love for you. Are you doing that with the people that come into your life? Even when I mess up, even when I did the same thing over and over and over and over again, he still loves me. Look at the disciples. They fought with each other. They were selfish. They deserted him in his time of greatest need, and yet Jesus loved his neighbors. These are huge offenses, but yet in the church sometimes... Our brother and sister in Christ mistreats us and says the wrong thing, and we won't even sit by him in church anymore. And the world sees that. On, um, yep. We're supposed to have a different kind of love, a brotherly love, wow. that makes our light shine different than the lights that are all around us. Yep. Well, I love them. I'm just going to love them at a distance because they stabbed me in the back. We'll, we'll get more into this in a moment. But like, again, is that how you treat your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad? No, So why would we treat Christians that way? I'm supposed to love them like my brother, love them like my sister. Ask yourself this question. if, if, If this Christian who's with me in church, who I know is my spiritual brother and sister, why won't I treat them like my family? There might need to be some change that takes place. They're supposed to be our family. You know, and with this, we, we know how a family should be, but again, nobody here has a perfect family. And they go, oh, great, I can treat them just like I treat my sister, or just like my brother. No, we, we understand what, like, the perfect family model is, right? You know, a mom and dad, a couple kids, and a dog, and, you know, it's, it's the leave it to beaver, it's... it's I know there's a generation that knows Leave It to Beaver, but Kyler knows Leave It to Beaver. Even Kyler knows who Leave It to Beaver is, so everybody can relate to this. Okay, this is like Fuller House with parents, you know? Um, Or Full House. Fuller House is new on Netflix, I think. Don't. Oh, anyways, we'll let that go. But we we know there's certain things that family's supposed to do, even if we don't perfectly do it, right? So here's a couple of things. What what real family looks like looks like. what real family looks like is, number one, they forgive, right? Yes. This is how family is supposed to work. And you know what? If, if you've got brothers and sisters in Christ, you're supposed to really forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ, not just think, oh, so-and-so made me mad. I need to go find a new church. I can't be around them anymore. No, you, you, you forgive. We're supposed to look differently. We're supposed to take that extra step, just like we would do for our family. You know, another thing we do is sometimes just need to overlook some things. We are all, uh, a word that my mom loves to use, that I use as well, and I was actually talking to my girls about it, and my, my mom always says, well, they're kind of unique. But I see unique as a good thing. Honestly, I don't want a church full of people just like me. Or just like wh- whoever, we're, we're unique in our own ways, and, and we're, that, that's a good thing. So, being that we're all different from each other, there's some things, but this is my second point with this family thing, is there's some things we just need to overlook. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, we don't need to just grab on that one weird detail, like, oh, I just can't stand it. They do that all the time, oh, God, I gotta go somewhere else. Yeah. No, overlook some things. And I was trying to think, I was gonna say, like, <laughs> This is going to get political, but the first thing I can only think of was, was crazy Uncle Bernie, not just the Bernie Sanders, but just Bernie just came to my mind. That, that's one of those names you think kind of a crazy uncle. But we all have that crazy family member. It's usually an uncle for some reason. I say, like, oh, that's just crazy Uncle Bernie. And you know how he is, right? And then I started to think about that. It's like it's like kind of crazy Uncle Joe, you know, going. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, not going political again here. I know there's a debate coming up this week. So, but you know, we, 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 uh, we overlook some things that people do, right? Because they're family. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm not wrong. We do overlook some things. We, we give people some grace in our families. But then yet a church person can do that and we just don't give them that chance. Why don't we give church people our ch- these chances the same way we do family? In Hebrews they're saying... You do this for family. The same kind of love you have for your family, you need to have for your brothers and sisters. Because we're not all the same. We are unique as believers. Amen. You don't make an issue of the things that always annoy you. But here's the thing: there are sometimes things that annoy you that you need to confront. Which comes to my third thing: families, good families, will confront issues. You just don't overlook everything. You will confront issues. In a healthy family, hard things are said at times, but they need to be said in love, right? If, if, if you share something that's truth, but you don't have love with it, just, it can be brutal. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Please don't. You know, give me a little love first. You know, grace, love, truth, all together. I was trying to remember, there was something I said a couple years ago, Uh, And I got it from somebody else, but they said, truth without love is like surgery without anesthesia. You know, you can get it done, but it's going to be excruciatingly painful. That's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to share the truth, but we share truth with love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You see, in family, there's sometimes hard things that need to be said, but it's done in a way that doesn't destroy your family. That's right. You know, you, you come to your, your spouse or your kids or crazy Uncle Bernie out of love because ultimately you want the family to get stronger, not torn apart. But it seems like, again, in church sometimes we will say things or we'll post something on Facebook or we'll do everything rather than in face and it causes people to divide and go other ways. And the world sees as a, yeah, they're just like the world. They're no different than us. No, we're supposed to love our enemies, even in our families. We're supposed to confront but do it the right way to build the body and not break the body down. Another thing that families do is families share. We meet each other's needs. The world says that, well, if you like me or love me, then I will do this for you. But the Bible says that we're supposed to bless those who spitefully use us. This is the kind of radical love for one another as the body of Christ that we're supposed to have. It's a brotherly love. You do this for your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your sibling. If you're willing to do it for them, then you should be doing it for others, okay? The second point we have is in verse 2. Is hospitality hospitality towards strangers you know, help, helping those in need because who knows, it could be an angel, right? it, it could, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to discount that but um, it's more so saying hey, you don't know who, who's, who you're the presence of you need to be hospitable to them so it's this way It's where you, you treat strangers now there is stranger danger <laughs> okay so use, use common sense. But if there's something that you see with a need, you need to help them out. Treat, your, st- treat strangers like you would a friend. It's not just an act of being kind to somebody, but actually being friendly. So, uh, flip over to Isaiah chapter 58. And we get this greater detail of how we're supposed to treat those people who we may not even know. Now remember, in in the law of Moses, there's like some 613 laws in the law. And one of the greatest things that that Jews really like to do is the fasting. You know, when when they're told to fast, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to fast. Look at how pious I am. Look at all that I'm giving up to get closer to God. But you know what? As good as fasting is, and we as a church, we fast the first of every year. But that's not really the most important thing that God sees here. And he, he's trying to correct the Jews. They're saying, you know what? Rather than you fasting, I'd like to do something different. And look what it says. It says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want from you. So rather than, than food and denying yourself, it says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned, lighten the burden of those who work for you, let the oppressed go free, and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. There's Bernie. We better close the blinds and lock the door. You know. Verse 8. Look, it says, Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal. But your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. You know, sometimes it's like a lot of Christians. We will do these these, these pious acts of of giving our worship to God, whether it's possibly raising our hands or or, praying on a Wednesday night or fasting. But then we have a neighbor or a stranger down the street who needs us and we drive right by him. God is saying that he's going to treat us Like we treat strangers. He's watching what we do. And if we want to hear God, if we want him to respond, then we need to value what he values. He's saying, okay, fasting is great, but you know what I really want? Help those in need. Help those who you don't even know. Then the world is going to see a kind of love that the world doesn't even give. You'll stand out. Think about this. God's watching us see when God brings someone into your life who has a need ask yourself this how am I going to treat them the same way I would treat a true friend will I treat them that way I mean again if your brother was broken down on the side of the street you'd stop right you'd help him out this is hospitality hospitality you know this is another word that just, just like how love has kind of been changed by the world and the church has embraced it. We've also taken this word hospitality to mean it differently. Hospitality doesn't mean just to entertain people. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's cool when people invite you to your home and make you dinner and do all these kind of things. They're hot. People say, oh, they're so hospitable because they're entertaining us. But that's not what it means. It's just to throw a good party and have fun. Hospitality actually means this. It means to focus on strangers and not just your friends. That's biblical hospitality. It's not just having people over. It's about thinking of, it's about opening your life up to people that you don't even know. Because you want to share the love of God with them. It's interesting, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus was kind of the guy that people liked to invite over, but then also hated to invite him over. Because you never knew which Jesus you're going to get. Okay, is this going to be the Jesus that's going to lie with the party by making wine out of water? Or is he going to rebuke me when I don't treat the servant girl right? So in Luke chapter 14, you get the Jesus who kind of rebukes. And it says in Luke 14, 12, it says, then he turned to his host. So Jesus is at this party, he goes to the host, he says, hey, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, Don't invite your friends, brothers, and relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of righteousness, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. We often associate with people we like, right? That's not bad. What if we expanded our circles and brought more people into our lives? You know, it's in the Old Testament as well, this 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 idea of biblical hospitality. In Leviticus chapter 19, we have some uh, direction from the law and how we're supposed to treat maybe the, the strangers or the poor or those in need. And it says in verse nine, it says, When you are harvesting your crops, the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters dropped. It is the same with, with your grape crops. Do not stir every last bunch, or I'm sorry, strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigners who live, who live among you. I am the Lord your God. Now it's interesting, after this he says, don't steal, don't lie, don't rob. So you have this, 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 little, this little talking point about, hey, be considerate of those who you don't know. Don't hit your your fields two times and make sure you pick up what you missed. Don't do the corners or the edges. Leave that for the strangers. Leave that for those who are in need. This is the kind of love and hospitality that God wanted Israel to show and the same that he wants us to show. Leave a little bit behind. Actually, and then today, think about this. Don't, Don't just not be wasteful, but actually prepare in your lives room for those who have needs from you. I was, I was trying to think of an example of this. and we We're so conditioned to not waste. Am I right? I remember when I worked for Costco uh, through Bible College, actually even before Bible College, but the first place I started was in the hot dog stand. We didn't have a food court. In Warrington, Oregon, we had a hot dog stand outside. Anybody ever eat that hot dog stand? It, 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 seriously, did anybody ever eat the, the Costco hot dog stand in Warrington, Oregon? Before it was a food court. You may have gotten a hot dog from me and didn't even know it. So if it was between 1997 and 1999, you may have gotten a hot dog from Brian and Hera. But anyways, one of the things that they told us or taught us about the hot dog stand was, okay, as the, as the day winds down, don't put so many hot dogs in the boiler. Because when we close the store, you don't want to have 15 or 20 hot dogs because that's waste. And it costs the company money. So don't be wasteful. But think about all the things we do in our lives, we've been conditioned to not be wasteful. But the Bible is actually saying, don't be wasteful, but actually be conscious of the needs of others and set stuff aside. Don't use all that you have. Set stuff aside for those who don't have. Because the opportunities will come in that way. I I, I could talk about this for a long time, but we, we do so much planning for our lives, for ourselves. How much of our lives is planning for other people? People we don't even know, possibly. If somebody came to you with a need... Could you give out of the abundance that you actually prepared for them? Or do you have to give out of your own lack? Think, oh no, I really can't afford to give that much. Because what about me? How would it be different if we planned our lives and actually planned for the needs of others? So hospitality focuses on strangers, not just your friends. Hospitality also uh, has this idea that our goal in hospitality is to help people not impress people. You know, this is kind of the cool thing, is we think, man, what a great party, what a great this, I'm really impressed with, it, with the way they are. Well, no, we just need to help. Have, do you ever, do you clean the house before people come over? Anybody? Nothing wrong with that, but you know, there, there's some people who literally say, okay, we're going to have people over, okay, this next week, you take a week to clean, 40 hours of deep cleaning, once my house is immaculately, perfectly in order, then people can come over. Well, they're never going to come over. At least not our house. <laughs> no, we have... No, it's okay. I, all I'm saying is this, is that... or uh, say you have... You, does anybody take, like, super immaculately good care of, your th- care of your stuff? Like, you do your stuff. You take a lot of pride in what you have. And then you have somebody over, and then they just happen to put a big old scratch in your floor. And you're like, Oh! Oh! Or you just, you just clean your truck out and then uh, you, you're, you're taking someone to the store and you happen to be right next to another car and they just go, boom, and hit the, the car next to them and put a chip in your door paint. You're just, does that bother anybody besides myself? <laughs> okay, you, you're, you're seeing the, the, the vulnerability and the humanity of your pastor here right now. Sometimes you think, I'm not going to do that because if I do that, they're just going to ruin it. Okay, does your stuff have you, or do you have your stuff? Why has God given you what you have? Again, uh, don't let things keep us from helping others. Well, if I help them, they're going to ruin it. I know it. Who gave it to you in the first place? God did. We have what we have so we can be blessed, though, understand. But also to be a blessing to others. And here's my quick illustration for that. I mean... You don't don't think that as soon as you get something you have to give it all away. God wants you to enjoy what you have, and you should. But again, just don't let your stuff have you. It'd be like if I bought uh, Avery and Claire like these amazing Christmas presents, and as soon as they open, they're like, oh, I want to give this away. No, I, I bought my daughters' things so that they could enjoy them. Right? I, I want what I give them to be a blessing. The same way God gives you homes and vehicles and jobs and stuff so you can enjoy it. But you know what? I don't like what my daughters do is when they're stingy. Like, you can't have this. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. No, we want our kids to share what they have. The same way we need to share what we have. So be hospitable. Be hospitable to those who you don't even know in your life. And the third is this, hospitality. To be hospitable, to be loving, is to be generous. It's not like a quid pro quo. Well, I do this because then I'll get that. Or I did that, so you better give this to me. Biblical hospitality cares a lot more about giving than getting. This is how we're supposed to behave as Christians. This is how the preacher in Hebrews is trying to get people to see. If we care more about giving than getting, the world sees that. Like, man, that's a different kind of love. That's not the way we are. It's like, it's supposed to be, I scratched your back, now you scratch my back. No, I'm going to give and expect nothing in return, because that's what Jesus did for us, right? Amen. It's an act of generosity. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. It says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Another one, Romans twelve thirteen says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So we're supposed to love one another in the church as if they're our family. We're supposed to treat strangers as friends and those in need as family as well. So what what does it mean to help? What does it mean to be hospitable to those in need? It means you do what you can do. Now I want to take a step back here for a moment and hopefully give us some boundaries. Because I know whenever there's sermons like this preached, you think, "Oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to open my house up to everybody now." And some people hear that, hear that and they're like, "Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to go and find them right now, everywhere I can, and bring them all over my house, make them a big old meal." There's boundaries. The Bible always gives us boundaries. That's right. My hope is to help, possibly not to burn you out with hospitality because we can feel like we have to do it or we're not doing enough. You can be burned out in one of two ways. Those who are already doing so much feel like they have to do more and they get burned out. And then there's those who don't do enough but the idea of what they think they have to do burns them out before they ever start. Does that make sense? Okay. But understand with that, look what Proverbs says. So if you're in that case like me, Huh, that case like me, where you think, man, there's so much I have to do. I, don't, I might as well never even get started because I'll never meet that. No, there are things that God has for you that you can do. Because look, Proverbs 21, verse 13 it says, Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. So that to say this, God has something that you can do. There, there is a, a, a level of greater love that you can add to your life. And it'll let your light shine in such a way that the world says, you know what, there's something different about them and how they love versus how the world loves. I want that love in my life. So here's a couple of questions for you, these boundaries that you can use. Does this need have my name on it? Let me ask just, just for a moment. Are you going out looking for stuff to do? Or when it comes into your life, you're like, hey, did God place this in front of my life because I need to be a part of helping this need? Does that, does that make sense? Because I'm still in the fog here and I'm not sure who I'm, who I'm reaching and who I'm not. Does this need have my name on it? You know, there's, there's so many needs out there that we can be overwhelmed with all that's there. But we can say, can I really help out in this situation? Or am I just making more work for myself or more work for others? How do I know if this need has my name on it? 99 times out of 100... The need is put into your path of your life. You don't have to go looking for it. God will place needs before you because God already knows what you're capable of doing and he already knows where this person's at and he knows where you're at. He's so, you know what? I can put this need in front of this person. Look at the good Samaritan. He was about his daily business, going about his daily concerns and God placed a need in front of him. A person who was hurt, who he didn't even like, didn't want to like. But God gave him that need says, you know what, maybe this has my name on it. And so he went out of his way to help a neighbor, out of his way to help a stranger, out of his way to help an enemy. And he showed the love of God to him. Sometimes uh, other people are good at planning needs for you. (laughs) I get this as a pastor a lot. Pastor, you should really be doing this. Pastor, you should really be doing that. Pastor, you should really be doing this. Well, I need to know, does that have my name on it or not? I ask myself, is this for me? And if it's for me, then I'm going to do my best to go do that. If it's not, I'm going to say, well, no, that's not for me. But we need to do that ourselves as well. Sometimes our wives can do that for us, or our husbands can do that for our wives. You should really be doing this. We need to know ourselves well enough. And what God has put before us to be able to say yes to that which really applies to us and no to that which does not. With that as well, don't let that be a good excuse or reason to just say, oh, I put 20 bucks in the offering plate for missions overseas, but I'm going to ignore my neighbor next door. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't don't try to defer a blessing to somewhere far away when there's a blessing that you could be right in front of somebody. Okay, let's get going. Second question is this. Will this hurt or will it help? Will helping this person, meeting this need, is this gonna help this person do better? Or am I actually really just enabling something that shouldn't be happening in the first place? That's That's where we need to use wisdom as well. This is part of the boundaries in our lives. We aren't supposed to just be doormats for everybody. Sometimes the best help we can do is to say no. But we need to know that that no is right. And not just because I don't want to be bothered. And it goes back to that first question Is my name on this? Did did God place this in my life because He wants me to help this person? And 99 times out of 100 again, if that person's been placed in front of your path, God is saying, Hey, help them out. But there's those others that go looking for it. You know the type of person, right? They have these amazing, bleeding hearts of compassion. And they get their hands in everybody's business because they want to help. But sometimes it does more hurt than good. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up right now. Question. What would happen if we loved church family like our physical, biological family? What would... The world look at us differently if we were hospitable not just to entertain, but to really meet the needs of those who are lacking, meet the needs of strangers. How would love be different if our if our hospitality was, was true generosity and not quid pro quo? Well, I, I did that so I could get this. We would be a light, it's like a torch on a hilltop. And the world will say, they are so different than the world is. That's that's real love. That's how we're supposed to be. So this is just, again, uh, one part as we come through Hebrews chapter 13 is this. Love. Love your brother and sister in Christ. Love strangers. Be hospitable to those who you may not even know. And the world will see Jesus through you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day to be in your house. I thank you, God, uh, that in your word, you don't just... well, Well, everything draws us closer to you, but you also teach us and you show us those areas in our lives where we need to become more like you. And this one is so important. Loving each other. Helping one another. Because when we do this, God... We we do grow closer to you, but we also show a world that is lost. We show them you. Father, help us to be loving. Help us to have brotherly love for one another. Lord, if, there, if there's been issues in our lives where we haven't forgiven, or we've 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 distanced, or we've held on to things that shouldn't be there, God. Holy Spirit, show us those areas and correct us, I ask in Jesus' name. God, if if we have had a habit of having you you place things right in front of us and we sidestep them because we're too busy. Lord, help us to not be so busy, God. If we've been like I have been at times where uh, our stuff can have us, and if our stuff has kept us from helping those in need, God, either take it away or change our attitudes in Jesus' name, because we can't be like that, especially in this time right now when the world needs you so desperately. Help us to get out of the way, in a sense and meet needs, get our focus back on you and back on those who need you. Father, I love you. I thank you for this day to be in your house. I thank you for our church family, those who are able to be here today. Father, those who are still watching online. God, I ask for your encouragement to be on each and every one of our hearts, Lord, and help us to see ways in which we can share your love with the world that is lost and needs you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful afternoon. God bless you. And find a way to love somebody. Amen? Amen. All right.